Good morning. My name is Daniel. I'm the other Daniel, also known, some people call me Dinko. I'm the campus pastor over at the Artesia campus, and it's my pleasure and privilege uh, to bring us God's word this morning. Today we'll be reading from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, uh, but we will be looking at various other uh, Proverbs throughout the scriptures regarding this topic of friendship. Uh, Today's message is entitled, A Fix, and we'll be reading first from Proverbs 18, verse 24. You could turn there in your Bibles, on your app. We also have it projected overhead. This is God's word. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This is God's word. Could I just lead us in a quick word of prayer? Let's ask the Lord for his help. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather every week to give you the praise you so deserve, to bless and encourage one another, to even hear testimonies of what you are doing in all parts of this world, such as Paraguay. And Lord, we thank you for your word, that it feeds us. It it turns our gaze towards our Lord Jesus Christ. It grants us nourishment and rest. Would you speak to your servant this morning? Would you give us ears to hear and hearts to understand? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. No matter where you're from, uh, no matter what your background, no matter what your religious background even, uh, everyone understands the value, the worth, the power of deep, faithful friendship. It doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter who you are, we all understand this, we all value this. Deep, faithful friendship. That's why we love uh, Woody and Buzz Lightyear. That's why we love Leslie Nope and Ann Perkins, if you know who that is. Or my personal favorite, that's why I love Dominic Toretto and Brian O'Connor from the Fast and the Furious series. We We all can attest to the fact that there is something very powerful and important and necessary about deep and faithful friendship. In the fourth century, Uh, There were these Greek theologians, we call them the Eastern Fathers. And uh, two of them, Gregory of Nazianzus and Basil of Caesarea, they were so close with one another. They had such a deep and intimate friendship that they speak of their friendship as one in which they revealed the depths of their hearts to one another. I have this written for you on the the, uh, slide. Gregory of Nazianzus actually said, If anyone were to ask me, what is the best thing in life? I would answer, friends. Wow, right? What is the best thing in life? Friends. And of course, we see examples of deep and intimate friendship throughout all of the scriptures. Paul and his deep friendships uh, with the various leaders of various churches. Uh, Even though they were mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, Ruth and Naomi, they exemplify a very deep and intimate, powerful friendship. Of course, perhaps most famously in the scriptures, David and Jonathan are another great example of such deep friendship. And our passage tells us today that a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And if it were written today, perhaps it might say, a man of many Instagram followers may come to ruin. A man of many acquaintances may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You could be part of the in crowd. You could have all sorts of followers, all sorts of connections. 
But ultimately, the only thing that makes actual difference in your life when it comes to human relationships is deep friendship that sticks. A friend who sticks. Quality over quantity is basically what our verse is saying. And of course, you can't be friends with everyone. Right? You can't, no one's going to be best friends with everyone. Uh, you don't have to be part of every, every clique, every group, every uh, club. One of the most common criticisms of any church really is, oh, there's so many cliques. It's so clicky. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And you don't, you know, here's the thing. You don't have to be a part of those cliques. Uh, I, I feel like if you don't care to be a part of that clique, you're not going to mind that there's cliques. And, you don't, and the idea is we are all called to deep friendship. It doesn't need to be multitudes of people, but some form of deep friendship that sticks. If you think about it, the Christian life really is practicing real and deep friendship, isn't it? When we use all these different terms, like community, we love that word in the church, don't we? Community, community. I want more community. Uh, in fact, it's one of our three C's of Christ Central. Community, Christ, and compassion. When we use words like that, when we use words like fellowship, or if you're a little bit of a more nerdier church, you might use the Greek term for fellowship, koinonia. Or even brotherhood, sisterhood, whatever you might call it, ultimately, doesn't that all boil down to friendship? Real, deep, and intimate friendship. We're gearing up for a new year of small groups. Uh, as mentioned earlier in the announcements, signups will start in September, uh, which is basically already now. And we had such a great time even just last weekend uh, at our lead conference, which focused on small groups. And if you missed out, then you really did miss out. But fortunately, the audio is recorded. You can find it on our website. And we're getting super excited now because signups are right around the corner. And as Pastor Dan mentioned in the announcements, last year we had 32 small groups for, this, for our whole church. This year, including college groups, we have 52. We're super excited about that. And why do I, why do I bring up small groups? Because even when we think about our small groups, Ultimately, the goal is, isn't the goal to cultivate deep friendships within these groups. Sure, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen as quickly as we'd like or in the way that we would like. But isn't that ultimately the goal? Deep friendship. Deep friendship that sticks. Or how about when it comes to marriage? Even marriage. You've heard it before. Marriage ultimately thrives when friendship is at the root of that relationship. You know, in our passage, it says that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That term, that word sticks, uh, in the Hebrew, in the original language of the Old Testament, that's the same word that we see often translated as cleave in the famous marriage passage in Genesis chapter 2. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave, stick to his wife. And it's that same term, the same sort of bond, this, this idea that whether we're talking friendships, whether we're talking marriage, that there needs to be this deep intimacy. And a marriage thrives when we have that sort of friendship at the root of it. I have a quote for you from uh, Tim, Pastor Tim Keller from his book, The Meaning of Marriage. He writes this, If you marry someone more for beauty or wealth than for friendship, you not only are setting yourself up for future failure, as wealth and sexual appeal will decrease, but you are also setting yourself up for loneliness. For what Adam in the garden needed was not just a sexual partner, but a companion. 
bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. All this to say, we all, we all know this in so many different ways, in so many different spheres, spheres of our lives, so many different relationships, uh, aspects of our churches, that deep and, deep and intimate friendship is so important. We all need friends who stick. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at several, of, uh, several different proverbs to see different characteristics of friends who stick. What are friends who stick? What do friends who stick look like? What are they like? The first thing we'll, the first characteristic we'll see is from Proverbs seventeen seventeen. Here's what it says: A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. The first characteristic we see of friends who stick is that friends who stick are constant. They are constant. Friends who stick are proactive. They are loyal. They are supportive. They love at all times, as Proverbs 17, 17 tells us. In other words, friends who stick, they call. They text. They're present. And please don't get me wrong, we're not talking about frequency here. A friend who sticks, a friend who is constant, it doesn't mean that they're calling you every day, every waking moment. They're always there. They're incessant. No, but we're talking about consistency. Consistency and presence. And it's at all times. And this, uh, the second phrase we see, uh, the second clause of this verse, it says, and a brother is born for adversity. The word friend and brother here is simply being used interchangeably. And I love that phrase. A brother is born for adversity. A friend who sticks is born for adversity. Basically, it's like saying, a, a, a constant friend, a true friend. When the hard times come in your life, when it's not just good times, it's not just fun times, when it's dark times, a friend who sticks would actually say, I was born for this. I was born to be here for you. I was born for adversity. I think back to a book that probably many of us read, I think in junior high for school, uh, the Great Gatsby. Uh, it's 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 a story about this uh, rich man who throws all these parties at his home, at his mansion, and it's lively, it's fun. They made a fairly recent movie where you know they kind of depicted that well, just the, the the fun times and the partying, and it's it's so great, hundreds and hundreds of people over at his house, and it's 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 so full of life, full of energy. But then, the, the, I, that book, I already forgot pretty much everything from that book. I had to look at the plot synopsis to remember even what it was about. But one thing that always stuck with me, one thing that always stuck with me about the great Gatsby is his funeral. He, he, spoiler alert, sorry, he dies in the book. And when he dies, his funeral is so sad. It's such a, starking, it's just such a stark contrast because... When he had parties and when it was fun and when it was full of life, there were hundreds and hundreds of people over. But at his funeral, there's literally one party goer that actually attends. And the rest of the people there are, are servants and his dad. A brother is born for adversity. It's in, it's in the dark times. It's when it's not fun anymore. When, it's, when perhaps my life happens to be a little bit of a downer these days, that's when a friend who sticks actually shows up. And you know, one thing we have to always admit is that this adversity we speak of, 
Maybe it's not something happening to you. Maybe it is you. Maybe you caused this adversity. Maybe it's when you're at your worst. A friend who sticks will call you even then. A friend who sticks will be constant and present even then. So that's the first thing we see. A friend who sticks, friends who stick are constant. Here's the second characteristic of friends who stick. In Proverbs 27, 14, this is often a favorite proverb for many Christians because uh, it's kind of funny, but it's also very wise. Here's what it says. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice. If you just stop right there, it's good. It's great. Who doesn't want to be blessed enthusiastically, loudly? But we've got to keep reading. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. In other words, friends who stick are also considerate. Friends who stick, yes, they call you, but they call you at your convenience. They call you on your terms. They don't call you just, oh, I feel like blessing you right now, so I'm going to show up at 5 a.m. and knock on your door and tell you how much God loves you. It's, it's funny, right? Uh, it, 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 that, if you just read that first clause in Proverbs 27, 14, it gives the impression of good friendship. Who doesn't want to be blessed by somebody? It even gives the impression of piety. It's religious. It's a blessing. It's not just being nice or something. It's a blessing. It's saying, God bless you. But how it's taken, how it is taken is everything, isn't it? The context, the timing. Uh, who are you doing this to? Where and when? That's what matters. Good intentions are certainly not everything in friendship. You know, it's just like uh, premarital counseling 101. If you've taken any sort of premarital counseling class or session, you've probably heard this. You've probably heard of uh, the five love languages. We, you know, we can even remember them together. The five love languages. There's a physical touch. There's words of affirmation. There's quality time. Acts of service. Oh, I was like, which one am I forgetting? And gifts, and gifts. And you know, the idea is this. You could think that you're loving someone so well, right? The, the, the classic story perhaps is of a husband and wife where the husband's love language is physical touch. So he's always being very touchy with his wife, always putting his arms around her, hugging her, kissing her, whatever it may be. And he thinks he's loving his wife so well. But the wife's love language is acts of service. And this man doesn't do the dishes. And so the, the wife will start feeling like, I, I don't feel loved by you. I don't feel these acts of service. And the husband might be thinking, but I'm loving you so well. I'm loving you so much. Don't you know how much I touch you? But if, she does, if that's not her love language, if that's not how she receives love, then he's not really loving her. Is he? He's not being considerate of her and her needs and vice versa. It's not just the husbands, guys. Don't worry. It's not just the husbands that do that. It's in, and it's not just in marriage. It's in all relationships where we have to think, how does this person, how is this person going to be blessed? This friendship is not just about, I'm going to bless you however I feel like it, or I'm going to just seek my own blessing from you, but I seek to actually bless you. I'm going to be considerate, thoughtful, sensitive to your needs, your feelings. Your desires. It's like giving a bottle of wine as a birthday present to someone who doesn't drink at all. Why would you do that, right? 
I bring it up because I may or may not have done that recently to, for, a, for a brother at, a, at this church. <laughs> Friends who stick are considerate. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, you don't have to turn there, but it says this, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Think about the interests of others. It's not just about my interests. Friends that stick call on your terms. And of course, if we get to the heart of the matter, ultimately the heart of friendship that sticks when it comes to this idea of consideration and, and, and even Proverbs twenty seven fourteen, it's the heart of it is this. In our pursuit of friendship, are we ultimately just seeking to satisfy ourselves? When I say, yeah, I want some good friends in my life. I want, yes, I, I want this. I want a friend who's constant. I want a friend who calls me. I want a friend who texts me, who's present, who's thoughtful, who's considerate. Who's considerate. But if I'm thinking of all these things, and I, ultimately my heart is just saying, I want you to satisfy me. I'm actually not looking for a friend. If I'm just thinking, I want you to do everything on my terms. The, the way we hang out, the way we bless each other even, is on my terms. Is at my convenience. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a servant. Or perhaps I'm looking for a business partner, right? Hey, if you do this for me, if I do this for you, will you do this for me? But friends who stick are considerate. They call you on your terms at your convenience. They consider your interest perhaps as even greater than their own. How can I sacrifice? How can I serve you? How can I bless you in the way you want to be blessed? We need that. We need that for deep and powerful friendship. So the first thing, the first characteristic we saw was friends who stick are constant. Secondly, friends who stick are considerate. And here's the last one. Friends who stick are confrontable. They're correctable. Pastor Dan Penn, uh, just a couple weeks ago, shared this proverb with us in his sermon as well, but it's so important. Worth referring to again. Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If you, ha- if, you, if you can at least say, I have those first two C's. Friends who stick are constant and are considered. If you have that in your life, I will, act- I will concede. You have some great friends. If you have friends who, don't just, who aren't just friends with you on their own terms only, and if you have friends who are present, who text you, who, are, who, who call you, and who are, who are there for you, even in the worst times, you have some great friends. You do. But the Bible actually calls us to even deeper friendship. Friendship that is correctable, that's confrontable. Dare I even say that Christian term, rebukable. Do you have friends who can rebuke you? Do you have friends who can actually not only call you, not only call you at your convenience, but they can call you out? That is the mark of real deep friendship. That is the mark of the type of friendship I think we're all ultimately looking for especially uh, as, as brothers and sisters, as friends in this church. We've all been in this situation before, right? Uh, you're talking to somebody, and they're talking, they're smiling a lot, but as they smile, you can't help feeling uncomfortable because there's this big old green spinach in their teeth. 
And, you know, some people are good at pointing it out right away. Oh, you got something in your teeth. And then, you know, they get it out. But I'll, I'll be the first to confess. But, and I'm, I'm, I don't think this, I'm the only one. There are some of us who have an internal struggle in that moment. You don't want to, it's just uncomfortable. Like, especially if it's not just green spinach in their teeth. Maybe it's something even more disgusting, uh, something more embarrassing on their face. And I, I'll admit, I have a little bit, I've gotten better as I've gotten older and a little more mature, but I have the internal struggle. I don't want to bring it up yet. It's just maybe I have to find that right time, and, or maybe I'll just let it go. I'll let the next person who talks to that person tell them. And I have to tell myself, but I'm not a friend if I don't do this, if I don't point it out, if I don't help them fix this situation or, or, or alter this situation. And obviously, this is a, such a silly and small example. But isn't that a microcosm of what we need to be doing as true friends if we are truly considering ourselves friends to one another and we don't just see spinach in teeth, but we see sin in people's lives. We see things that are hurting others in our friends' lives. We see things that are hurting themselves in our friends' lives. And to just stand there and say, well, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to offend. I don't want them to be embarrassed. So I'm just going to let it slide. I'm going to, I'm going to let them keep offending other people. Not just with, with spinach in their teeth, but with perhaps things that are more damaging. I'm not a friend if I don't say something. I'm not a friend if I don't address brother because I love you. Sister, because I love you. Because I am your friend. Because I am someone and you are someone to me that calls, that is constant, that also is considerate. Because we are those things, we also need to call each other out. The order is important. Please take note of that. If you're not somebody who calls, if you're not somebody who's considerate and constant, please don't call out either. You got to do those first. Don't be someone who goes straight to calling out, straight to confrontation, straight to correction. That's how you lose. That's how you have no friends. But we need to be people who, as Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 tells us, who can even wound one another as friends. But those wounds, I think the best way to think about those sorts of wounds, those sorts of cuts, are the cuts and incisions of a surgeon. Our faithful friends do not cut like killers, they cut like surgeons. They cut carefully. They cut with precision. They cut with, uh, what is that? The, the Hippocratic Oath. Right? They cut saying, I want to heal. I want to bless you. I want to help you. I want to be a brother, a sister to you. I want to be a true friend to you. And so I will cut. And it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be smooth. No surgery is. We, we all know this proverb. You don't even have to turn there. I don't even have it written for you. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says this. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron. I think we all love that verse. I, I might be uh, generalizing here, but I feel like especially men tend to like really latch onto that verse. Iron sharpens iron. It sounds kind of tough, right? Iron sharpens iron, yeah, and then you flex your muscles. Um, we like, and it's a great verse, it's a great concept, this idea that we're sharpening one another, whether you're men or women. But please note this. When you think about two pieces of iron sharpening each other, that's not 
a smooth and easy process. I used to be in the Boy Scouts. And uh, I got to that very high rank of something called Tenderfoot. It's actually the, the lowest rank. Uh, I only did it for a year because I wanted to be cool. Um, but it, the one thing I remember learning from Boy Scouts is we, we learned how to sharpen knives. And, you know, you get something called a, a whetstone and, and you take it and it's, you're literally scraping the knife on this stone, which is, which is very heavy and strong. And it's a scraping. It, it makes a, a, a jarring sound a little bit. Kind of, kind of reminds me of a version of like nails on a chalkboard. And, and you're literally scraping off all these unnecessary parts, all these dull parts for the sake of making the blade sharp. And it's not. And if we're doing that for one another, we have to be okay with the fact that it's not going to be smooth and easy, that there is some scraping perhaps. There, there is some, you know, some, some difficulty, some discomfort. But if we're friends, we're going to do this. So now some people are too good at this. They're too good at it. And if that's you, you need to take a step back. Don't be like, all right, pastor said, I need to just correct everybody. I'm going to go on, go on, go on a correcting spree, a criticizing spree. But if I had to guess, I would say probably most of us are too slow at this. Especially to our true friends, to the people we really do consider our friends. I think, generally speaking, our culture is a very nice culture. I think Christian people tend to be very nice people, right? We're very nice. And, uh, I mean, and if you're Asian, which is, is many people in this room, Asians, they're not necessarily nice, but they're, they're, they're very, it's a very passive culture. It's very, everything's very indirect. You, you, when you want something, you don't say it directly. If you want someone to open the window, you don't say, uh, I'm cold, open the window. You say, ah, oh, this room is a little stuffy, isn't it? Uh, Most of us, many of us, are a little too slow at this. And I've been in so many situations where people are complaining about someone or about something that someone's doing. People are talking about someone, saying, oh, this is so frustrating, this is so annoying. And and it comes to me and I go, did you talk to that person about it? And too many times they haven't. Too many times they're just talking with each other and complaining with each other and not addressing the person. And for me, the idea, I have to tell them, you're not a friend. You're not being a friend. You got to talk to them directly, even if it's not pleasant, even if it is uncomfortable. And we have to ask ourselves, do we have these sorts of people in our lives? People who can actually freely, carefully, of course, but freely confront us and correct us and tell us, There's something in your life that needs to change. If you don't have that, you don't have the deep friendship the Bible talks about. If you don't have that, perhaps your friendships are too shallow. Or perhaps you do have friends who could do it, but for whatever reason, you don't make them comfortable to do it. Here's a number one tip. If you're like, you know what? I I would like this in my life, even as uncomfortable as it may be sometimes. But nobody's doing that for me. I have a great practical tip for you. Great practical tip. Ask for it. Don't ask the whole church from the stage, but ask those people who call you, who are constant, who are considerate. Those people in your life say, hey, what are some things in my life that you'd like to give me some feedback about? Can you, can you tell me what are, what are some things that I could work on? 
Like I said, people are sometimes way too nice. They don't want to step on toes. But you open that door, you open that channel, they'll be a little more willing. And as we think about all these different factors, all these different characteristics, friends who are constant, who are considerate, who are even confrontable and correctable, the thing we have to admit is that sort of friendship is hard. It's hard, isn't it? To reach friendship like this requires so much patience, so much work, so much effort. And I do feel like it only gets harder as we get older. You know, when we were all young, when we were in elementary school, junior high school, high school, it felt so easy to make friends. Even my friends who I'm close to even now, I think back to, what? how the heck did we become friends? And literally it was this. It was because we had long bangs and baggy pants. That's all it took. You know, we, one day I grew out my bangs, I wore baggy pants, and then someone came up to me and said, hey, what size are those pants? I like how baggy they are. Hey, how long did it take for you to grow out your bangs that long? And the next thing you know, you're friends. It was so easy and, and so dumb. <laughs> but as we get older, we have to make it gets harder. And actually, our, our youth director, David Chin, he actually shared with us recently in the staff that even for young people now, it's, it's perhaps harder than it was for us when we were young. Uh, that friendship is not easy. We have to admit that. We have to admit that. And of course, we live in a fallen world where even when you do have good friends, sometimes you lose friends. We just sang about it earlier as we were praising God together. Do thy friends despise and forsake thee? That's real. That does happen. Maybe some of you are experiencing that right now. Your friends despise you, or those who used to be your friends despise you. They forsake you. It's real. Friendships get damaged. Friendships get severed. Friendships get lost. An author by the name of Tom Rath, he wrote in a, in a book on friendship called Vital Friends. He wrote about how he was interviewing various people experiencing homelessness for a d- different reason. But it turned out there was this theme of friendship that kept coming up. And here's what he writes. As I listened closely to all these different people, it was clear that alcoholism or a dependency was more a symptom than a cause. In most cases, the relationship with a bottle or needle was precipitated by the collapse of a close relationship with a friend or loved one. The men who remained homeless for the men and women who remained homeless for decades had something in common, a lack of healthy friendships. They were more friendshipless than anything else. Being without a home was just the most obvious and visible part of their plight. They were more they were experiencing friendshiplessness rather than homelessness, or more so than homelessness. And as we talk about these sorts of characteristics, as we talk about friends who are constant, considerate, confrontable, maybe you're thinking to yourself, yeah, that sounds great. Of course that sounds great. Who wouldn't want friends like this? But nobody around me is like this. Or you might be thinking, why doesn't anyone befriend me like that? Yeah, I love it. I love the sounds of it. But why doesn't anyone befriend me like that? Why, doesn't, why don't I have friends like that? Why isn't anyone being like that for me here at this church even? And we got to be real about this, that it is hard. It takes time, it takes patience, and it's never going to be perfect. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, once warned that 
he who, he who loves his dream of community more than actual community will end up becoming a destroyer of community. He who loves his dream of community more than actual community will end up becoming a destroyer of community. If, if you're so set on the ideal and, and you're constantly just thinking, why can't you be like that? Hey friend, or hey church, or hey brother, hey sister, why can't you be more like that? And, that? and that's all we're stuck on and we're constantly frustrated, constantly impatient. You actually can end up becoming someone who harms those friendships, who harms that community. And, and the, the, of course the answer is we don't wait don't wait for someone to be this for us. But be that friend. Be that constant, considerate person. Obviously, once again, don't go straight to the confrontable, confronting and correcting. But be that constant and considerate friend. But still, where do we get the power to be like this? Where do we get even the hope to be like this when it's so difficult to see it and we don't, perhaps you don't feel like there's people like this around you. Where do we get this power? And this is, of course, this is the part we can't miss. This is the most important thing. If you miss this, you don't have the power for this. And the reality is this Christian friendship that sticks, if we want to be friends who stick for one another, it needs to come from our friendship with Christ, the one true friend who sticks. It needs to come from that. John 15, verses 13 to 15 says this. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus doesn't just want to be a friend of a friend. Jesus doesn't just want to be your acquaintance. Jesus doesn't just want to be a a social media follower. He doesn't want you just to follow his Instagram. Jesus would pursue real deep friendship with you to the point of laying his life down. He would be that friend who sticks closer than a brother. And would we marvel at that for a moment? Would we think to ourselves, how amazing is this that Jesus would call Someone who is not only who can be his servant, but someone who's a sinner like me, that Jesus would call me his friend. You know, we've had like those t-shirts in previous years, Jesus is my homeboy, or we've had songs that are, that are kind of not as deep and rich saying things like, Jesus, you are my best friend. And, and I feel like things like that, perhaps it, it, it makes that concept of Jesus being our friend a little bit smaller in our minds and in our hearts. But I want to take a moment to step back again and to say, how amazing is it? That Jesus calls us friends. That Jesus would look at people like you and me with all our flaws and failures. Jesus would look at people like you and me who, who are not lovely. Who are not, who are not people that, that Jesus would think, this, is what a good, this person will be a good friend to me. And he would befriend us anyway. He would be that constant friend for us. Loving you at all times. Even while we were yet sinners. There's a rich and deep song. A hymn. Entitled. Jesus what a friend for sinners. How amazing is that concept. Jesus what a friend for sinners. That's actually Pastor Harold's. Number one favorite hymn. He actually wants people to sing that. 
uh, at his funeral. Um, a little dark, I know. But would we marvel at that? That Jesus doesn't wait for us to fix ourselves. He doesn't wait for us to clean up our acts. That he would pursue us and pursue friendship with us and lay his life down to make that happen. Like Jesus takes that phrase, born for adversity, to a whole nother level. As he took our guilt and our shame and our sin on that cross. Jesus would be that considerate friend. He would be the one who considers your interests more than his own. As he took on the form of a servant by becoming a human being even though he is God. And he would become obedient to the point of death even on a cross. And he would come as Charlotte so beautifully shared. Not to be served but to serve. That would be the kind of friend Jesus is. And Jesus continues to confront us and correct us as well. He does do that because he is a true friend. Yes, you can all, when it comes to Jesus, you can always come as you are, but he will never leave you as you are. He continues to call us to new life, to repentance through his resurrection. He continues to call us out of sin and darkness and into his marvelous light because he's our friend, because he wants that for you, because he loves you. And here's the thing, the more we want to pursue, the more we want to acquire, the more we want to have deep friendship with one another, the more we want that, and the more we're not cherishing our deep, intimate friendship with Christ, the friendship he offers you and me, when you put those two together, you know what's going to end up happening? If if you want it so bad, but you don't cherish that friendship you have with Christ, what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up suffocating the people around you. You're going to end up gri- gripping so hard to friendship that like, like soap in the shower, it's going to slip out of your hand. Because it would be coming from a heart of desperation. I need this so bad. And yes, the need is real, but would you fill that need first? With the satisfying, sufficient friendship of Christ. So that your, the friendship you seek and the friendship you offer can come from a heart of abundance. It can come from a heart of generosity. A heart who has received so much love that you can offer that love. Perhaps even when it's not offered back exactly the same. Would your hearts be so filled by this generous love of Christ, this generous friendship that he offers, that he would look at you and me and he would offer us nearness. He would offer us intimacy way before we ever loved him, way before we ever were anything of a friend to him. And as we marvel in that, I pray that we as Christ Central, we as friends together would grow, even if ever so slowly but surely, more and more, as friends who stick, more and more as friends who are constant, who call, more and more as friends who are considerate, who call on your terms, at your convenience, and friends who can even be confrontable and correcting, calling each other out, out of love, cutting like surgeons, because that's what Christ has done and continues to do for you and for me. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that you loved us first. That you offer us friendship. That you don't just call us servants. And oh, so much less, you don't call us enemies. Even though that's what we deserve to be called. 
that you would call us your friends and that you would demonstrate that great friendship to the point of laying yourself down for us, laying your life down and going up to that cross. Oh Lord, I do pray for all our brothers and sisters who want that sort of friendship so bad. We all need it. We all can testify how important and necessary it is. Lord, as we continue to seek to be friends who stick for one another, would you keep us drawing near to that true friend, that faithful friend, where when all other friendships fail, when my friends despise and forsake me, would the friendship of Christ still remain? Would it still be what fills my soul? I pray this for all my brothers and sisters here, that you would fuel us for that sort of friendship with one another. Grant us the patience we need. Grant us the effort we need. Grant us the generosity we need. Grant us the grace we need. That only comes from your hand. Thank you, Lord, for a friend like this. Thank you, Lord, for this initiating love, this unconditional love, and this love that can never be taken away from us. We love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.